0: Hi, I'm Andy Davoli. I played Dino on The Sopranos. You're listening to
1: Potta Bing. Hey, podcast people. I'm Vic Singh, and you're listening to Potta Bing, a podcast that rigorously examines The Sopranos one episode at a time. Please remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this right now. If you love the podcast, this project, and what it's all about, please spread the word. Share this episode or your favorite one with one new person. That's all it takes. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Potabing. And if you're up for it, you can support the show by visiting glow.fm slash Potabing. It'll take 60 seconds. To play in the next trivia show for a chance to win swag, guest on the pod, or just secure permanent bragging rights, DM at Potabing on Instagram. Finally, as always, thank you for listening and being part of this journey. Coming up is my conversation with Andy Davoli. He played Dino on the show, who, remember, Christopher Feld for good after a botched card game heist. Andy joined me in studio to talk about his experience on the show, the journey to actually get on the show, basketball, piano, writing, and much more. That's all I got. Here's me talking to Andy. Andy, thanks so much for being here.
0: It's a pleasure. It's great to meet you.
1: Let's way back machine this for a moment. Where'd you grow
0: up? I am from Syracuse, New York. uh, Born and raised. uh, Left at 17 um, to go to college at Villanova, which is an odd thing for... uh, in orange, an orangeman. Yeah. You know, because it's a big Why, basketball town.
1: Did, why'd you defect?
0: I think, I didn't defect because I still have orange blood and I'm also a wildcat. But I just, you know, when you grow up there, yeah. it's... Uh, you want to get out of Dodge. Get, yeah. Small town. I, um, you know, gratefully, my parents showed me a lot of the world as a younger, younger kid, traveled and things like that. So I knew there was more than just Syracuse. And, um, I kind of knew what I wanted to do early on. So I was just almost like marking time in the town before... Um, I would go pursue my dream.
1: Have Villanova and Syracuse ever both been competitive in the NCAA tournament at the same time? Like, have you ever had
0: Not in the finals, but I'm wondering if they played in the actual NCAA, definitely, obviously, the Big East back in the day. Um, I wonder if they
1: met. If they play against each other, who do you root for?
0: (laughs) What a question. That's like, um, I mean, my default is orange. I guess it depends on who, you know, Villanova's won a couple of championships recently, so especially then What's the
1: name of the coach again?
0: Now it's Jay Wright. But Jay Wright in, in Syracuse is yeah. Co- Coach Beheim. Beheim,
1: yeah. Um, uh, Jay Wright is the best, one of the best dressed men. Yeah, yeah, in exactly. civilization. Like the,
0: the George Clooney of of NCAA.
1: Um, idyllic childhood, happy childhood. That's a loaded question. You know, it was.
0: It's definitely uh, a, a mixed bag. I, but I mean, I'm blessed. You know, I I, I look at uh, the way our parents, the lineage, generations. I just got back from a trip to Sicily, by the way. Just a quick segue. But I'm third generation um, Italian Sicilian. But I just think about you know relatives that came over from from that land, and as they say, you know, Syracuse Ser- and Sicily, our relatives came to you know Ellis Island and then heard of Syracuse in upstate New York, and then they took the train and got off, and it was all snow and mud. They're like, this is just a little bit different, you know, because it's you know in in Sicily it's very farm country, yeah, beach towns and things like that. But um, it was pre- it was good. I, I, I'm I'm blessed. I'm yes. blessed to be here today, alive, breathing, and you know. There's you have, more details, but...
1: You have siblings? <laughs> I'm the middle of five. Middle of five. Yeah. Okay. Very Italian family. Yes. Love it. Very yeah. Catholic.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: We talk about religion and the religiosity of the show. Great. And there's there's so That's much right my overarching...
0: I just read uh, the Bible for the first time, cover to cover, this past year.
1: No joke. I actually didn't read it cover to cover. I went to Catholic school for... Well, as Catholics,
0: we don't read it as much, you no, know? I studied was,
1: theology, oh, wow. but I actually read... It was part of the curriculum in my school, but... As an adult, I actually started reading it randomly, like, last oh, month. Wow. Just That's great. Like, started at page one. It, it, it impacted
0: me so differently than when you're a kid, and it's... it's sure, and it's know,
1: forced on you. And forced, and Thrust the rituals
0: are, are important for the unconscious, but, you know, when you go through some experiences, the rollercoaster of life, you know, things... Um, even rereading this play, as we said, it's like seeing it differently years later.
1: Is that for work or for pleasure? This is for... for I was...
0: I reapplied to the actor's studio. Okay. So I was kind of picking a, a scene, and... um contacting some playwright friends of mine and just dusting off some of the classics of the American theater um, to find a nice five-minute scene to go back in there. Huh. What's great about that is, like, it's it's a challenge to get in. It takes some time, but once you're in, it's like you have a free cup of coffee and a place to work out two days a week.
1: Were you out of it? For were, life. You, were you in it in the past?
0: I wasn't in it, no. Okay. I did audition um, when my older son was a little bit younger. Yeah. But just feeling
1: ready again, you know? Okay. Favorite band growing up? What kind of music were you into?
0: Eclectic. Um, my parents got us into music at a young age. I liked The Stones, Zeppelin, um, Michael Jackson. I went to a concert when I was a kid. Nice. My grandmother so that was cool. I saw I saw the Thriller Thriller live, and yeah. it was in Buffalo.
1: How'd you get into acting?
0: So I I blame my mother. It's a joke, you know. It's she got us into the arts at a young age. I was on stage as a little boy. I don't think she ever thought of it as a career, but in Syracuse, she got us in the Syracuse Theater, musicals, clown and magic school, things like that. Um, made movies with the family, um, with VHS and all that. And um, when I was, uh, I think I'd say like 14, my father had, uh, was a very, he just loved tennis. He had bad knees from football and lacrosse and became obsessed with that sport. And he would just, you know, have my older brothers play and then I would be a hitting partner for them. And uh, I got good. I never liked it because I just, I wanted to play basketball or do other things. But when I was 14 I was uh, uh, training in Florida. We had like a timeshare, there it was a vacation and I was playing and they had a celebrity tennis tournament and somebody dropped out where somebody was it was for charity, somebody would donate and then they would have another celebrity. And so this guy dropped out and they they asked me to play because they were like okay he could he could fill in there. And we played this this once actor from I think it was Knots Landing. And, like, I was playing five hours a day. So we, when we played the doubles, it was like six one six zero. And he was kind of like, who is this young kid that, like, it was Alec Baldwin. Mm. And my brother Mark, my little brother, um, had had his sister as a substitute teacher in Syracuse. Because his parents are from Syracuse. They grew up in Massapequa, but um, returned to Syracuse. And my brother put it together. He's like, "That's wait, that's the brother of, you know, because he, he came home one day from middle school. And he's like, my teacher's you know, brother was in Beetlejuice and... Uh, I, I can't think if he did a hunt for it October yet, but so Alec was like, oh my God, you're from Syracuse. We should all do a picnic sometime. And I think that was the first time I saw that you could do it for a living. Mm. Genuinely, like, mm. you know, as a young boy, I was like, wow, it's like, and that's where it clicked. Um, I had switched schools a couple of times, kept a lot of feelings inside being a middle child. So acting really genuinely became a way for me to use other people's words and express feelings. Um, and be heard and be heard. And so when I got to Villanova, you couldn't major in theater, but I quit the the tennis, tennis helped me get in. And then I quit freshman year, which I'm sure drove my father nuts because both my older brothers had full scholarships and they were going to give me one, but I didn't have it. In tennis? In tennis, yeah. Wow, so
1: the tennis family.
0: Yeah, like he he just, like I said, like it was like you either worked full time or you played a sport full time. Do you follow
1: it now? Not as much. Are you a tennis head?
0: But it's not as much, but I'm I'm familiar. You know, I used to go to the U.S. Open every September that's, Around my birthday time, so I have fond memories of that.
1: It was a tradition of ours. My girlfriend, now wife, we, for I think five consecutive years, we went to the U.S. Open uh, Labor wow. Day weekend. Right. Uh, we were both students, but it was like a thing that I really wanted to do. We felt passionately about cool. Got to see Agassi play Baghdadis. Amazing. Wow. And I got to see Federer play for the first time after he had won his first Wimbledon. He was playing against James Blake. And we wow. went to root for James Blake because he was mm, the American. the American, right. And but I watched seeing, this guy yeah. decimate James Incredible. Blake. And I'm like, who, who, yeah, who is this guy? guy? And then three years after that, every year I would make sure we went on the night that he was playing so we could get a chance to see sure. him. Sure. He's got um, 20, right? 20 Slams. 20, grand yes. yeah. I'm actually trying to make a podcast about it called. Uh, oh, that's cool. called 20. And it's a deep dive on every single one of his oh, wow. Grand Slams. From round one. All the way to the final, who we played. That's great. Uh, get into the analytics of it. Get into specificity, like... specificity. I Specificity. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so you don't follow it as much anymore. Is it because you played it and it, you know you, you distance yourself think it was from part it?
0: Part of it. I did. I did have a burnout. Like I okay. just. Uh, I just. I just didn't for some. I don't know what it was. I enjoy playing when it's like leisure. Yeah. Or for fun. But Do you it's still like, play. I I do a little bit. I got, I got a new racket and a couple, you know, a you know, pair of sneakers, Babalat sneakers. I didn't even know they made sneakers. That's how I was, like, was kind of like out of it for I a while. I got a Babalat racket. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah they're nice. Yeah. I mean, it's like... It's Nadal. They're so light and everything. Yeah. It's like incredible. What was your fastest serve
1: when you were in your prime?
0: My, uh, that's a good question. I don't know if I ever, if it was ever measured. You never measured um, it? It was, you know, I had a good, I had a good, good first serve, a really good second serve. It was very fast, low to the yeah. ground, side to side. You know, my father... Um, I had a really good return too because he took the Agassi school of thought, like two-handed
1: backhand or one-handed backhand, okay. and then
0: you know, and then he would have me inside the service line for the return, and then I would do the split step and catch the serve on the rise,
1: uh-huh. you know,
0: yeah. So and that was helpful because it just eliminated if you're way back, you have to wait for it.
1: Did you read Andre Agassi's? No, Open?
0: I would like to though.
1: I don't want to hype it up and then ruin it for you, but it is one of the greatest books I've ever read oh, in wow. my life. Um, I have a giant bookshelf in my house, and there's one book that is face out. And it's that one. Wow. And That's, is that the title? It's called no. Open. Open. Got It's it. called Open. I highly recommend it, especially someone like you who played it and yes. was competitive. And I loved him. I had all the flashy Nike yeah. clothes. because You, you know, will devour it. I would like to read that. Yeah.
0: Because like, I know the whole voluntary thing and then I'm sure the pressure
1: I, and everything. The pressure. You know. He hated his dad. I remember this one wow. scene where he describes his dad. Um, he would pluck his nose hairs mm. with his hand. He would stick his fingers up in his nose and he would rip out hairs while watching Agassiz practice. Got and it. a reason it resonated with me, it's kind of gross, but the reason it resonated is that I do that. Interesting. <laughs> Subconsciously. It's like a nervous thing. It's like a thing. And a beautiful little vignette that he has in there. His dad wasn't wealthy. They weren't wealthy, but his dad wanted him to be competitive. Right. He couldn't afford the country clubs. They couldn't do all this fancy shit. So he bought a piece of dirt Hmm. And he built a court on the dirt. Wow! And then he put a chain link fence around it, so that no one could get on the court. Amazing. And he essentially made a tennis court court for his son. And I joked with my wife. I was like, because I, I have a six year old now, and I'm trying to amazing finally starting it's to teach got him the game. Yeah, and I'm like, look, babe, if we can't afford all these lessons and all this shit, I'm gonna do what Andre Agassi's dad did. I'm gonna buy a piece of dirt up in La Canyada somewhere. That's cool. I'm never going to actually do this. That's, but that's the, I mean, that's
0: like I don't want to say it's just the old school way, but that's like you know you find a way. You find, a, like,
1: you find you know, a way. Exactly. Highly recommend it. And I would love to hear what you I'm think about. I'm going to check that out. So, how did The Sopranos happen for you? Well, uh,
0: you know, uh, that's a great question. Um, I after college, my dad passed away a couple of years of, excuse me, a couple of weeks before I graduated from Villanova. I knew I was about to go to New York City to pursue my dream and all that. Did you have and, an agent? No, not at that time. Okay. Um, but I did get in the theater at Villanova, and my RA and my—I just want to segue with this, but the, my RA in my building, um, who would always a cook on Sundays and the dorms were separated and all that stuff, and, uh, you know, I, my girlfriend, who I lost my virginity to, knew I wanted to be an actor. I started taking a class, and in the theater building was this man, the the RA. And he said, Andy, what are you doing in the theater building? And he's like, I'm taking an acting class in uh, He's like, you want to be an actor? I said, yes. And so he was casting West Side Story, and then he cast me as Bernardo. Cut to, he's now the president of Villanova. But when my dad passed away, he came and did the honor of burying my father. He's a priest, an Augustinian priest. But he got me back into the theater that I was doing as a kid, and it's kind of like streamlined me into New York City. And I moved right there. My brother was Alec Baldwin's personal assistant. I stayed with him, and um, this is why this is coming up. Alec was doing a film called The Juror that James was in, James Gandolfini. And uh, I was like, you know, green, so green and just knew that I had this dream. I was on the set of The Juror. I actually met James there um, and I got to play basketball with him. And I was just kind of watching him work, you know, which was amazing. You know, um, you could see his uh, his commitment and talent right there. Um, was then, he a presence then? Oh yeah, absolutely. I remember somebody falling asleep Pre on the Tony set. Tony
1: Soprano. Oh
0: yeah, this is this is a couple years before, um, and this is my first experience with him. I had I didn't know I can't remember if I had seen True Romance or if that had come out or it was around that time, but somebody fell asleep on the set. It was a long you know it's long days obviously you know of the juror. It was a big banquet scene, and I just remember how, how professionally he handled that. You know, because I'm I'm just like kind of like wide eyed watching this. I'm like. I'm playing, in, you know, I'm an extra. My brother's Alex's assistant, and um, that just keyed in my mind. And then I just remember that we ended up playing basketball in, and, and like, you know, in one of the warehouses. Um, but uh, there was a lounge singer, a girl that played a lounge singer, and she recommended an acting teacher in Little Italy. And at that time, I was like New York or LA officially, and then I officially moved to New York and started training. You know, uh, the the lineage of you know Meisner, Adler, and all sure. that stuff. And when he gave me the green light, that teacher that I could go get an, um, an agent, I got, you know, I started pursuing that, got an agent. And then I read for the show three years in a row. So the first year I read for the, I think it's the F- Fallone. Brandon,
1: Brandon
0: Fallone. I yeah. read for that part first. And, you know, I'm an Italian American, but you're too handsome for that role. Well, yeah, I wasn't even thinking about that. I just I didn't understand it as much. I'd yeah. grown up seeing a lot of things, but I didn't, you know, my dad was a it was, you know, was a very very he just he, you know, he 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 was like the 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 rebel without a cause as a kid as I heard, you know, thrown out of every high school and this and that. So I had there was enough of that kind of like fire for as a performer, but I didn't understand the world well enough, I think also. Okay. So it might have been that. I don't, you know, it's out of our control, obviously. Of course. The casting, but I just remember. And then when it came around the second year, I got closer. How long was the lapse between the first audition and the second audition? It was a full
1: year. A oh, one year.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. I went in for that role and I didn't hear, you know, and then you're like doing other stuff. And, and, um, I, th- I uh. Were you I, watching the show? Um,
1: I had seen the pilot, I think. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and so. Had you earmarked it? Like, you're your young and ambitious, like, I want to fucking be on that show. Like, was it like that or was it like that?
0: I still was, I still was confused in regards to like television and film and theater and all that kind of stuff. Like I remember watching more, you know, like Miami Vice as a kid, but I didn't get it yet. I didn't understand. Gotcha. You know, I was 22, you know, I was 22 years, 23 years old. Green as hell. So green. I was just like, what is going on? I'm you know, still healing my, I'm still mourning my father. I'm just like, but I knew what I wanted to be this dream. So I'm just taking that into rooms. So the emotions were there and things like that. And um, I was getting my confidence up through working on scenes and things like that. And uh, I think I, I think I actually went to Davoli, Italy, um, which is like, you know, like the Corleone thing where they stamp your name. I think it was kind of like that. So I went with my family and, and I had my cousin passed away at that time. So it was kind of like, uh, uh, you know. I've used this quote before, and I may be saying it wrong, but, like, when sorrows come, they come not single spies but in battalions. It was, a, it was a very heavy time. Shakespeare said that. And I was just taking this emotion into rooms, and I got cast in as a lead role in my first feature film with uh, Jean-Marc Vallée, who did Dallas Buyers Club. Oh, yeah. So then I was getting, you know, getting some experience on set, you know. Um, and then I went in for a film called The Yards, James Gray directed. And, um, you know, I went in for a smaller part, and, he, you know, he ended up bringing me out for a bigger part, and then I got to, you know, mix it up with, like, with Joaquin Phoenix and Mark Wahlberg, and, I mean, it's like, then you have the, the old school, you know, the, theatrically trained, you know, Ellen Burstyn, Faye Dunaway, wow, um, James Kahn, you know, and so then my experience was growing, so, and then I think I went in
1: for the second year, and then I was feeling a little bit more confident, and I got a lot closer, um, Being in the room with all those guys, you got some of their residue on you. Yeah, exactly. You took that into your next Sopranos audition. Exactly. Yeah,
0: I may not have looked at it then, but then I, I realize it. Reflecting.
1: Yeah, you have. You know, it's like everything's know, happening for a reason. Do you believe that? I do. Absolutely.
0: Um, I think we can make mistakes that can slow it down or get us off track for sure. You know, um, but we kind of going you know get into the theology. But when, when I kind of yield to a higher power, it keeps it keeps me as much as possible. It keeps me on track.
1: What was your second audition for?
0: So I went in for the, there was, I think it was Matt Belavacqua and...
1: Belavacqua and uh, Sean Gismati.
0: Sean Gismati. Yeah. I think it was Sean. So I have a, a,
1: a Chris guy Chris Tardio. Chris
0: Tardio I was in class with. In fact, I um, told him about my class, the class I told you about in Little Italy. Um, so, and Chris is like from Staten Island and really grew up in that world. Yeah. He knew it very well. In fact, I learned a lot about it from him, that world. You know, the, the specific New York City version, not like the you know, the mountainous hills of Sicily Syracuse no or, or Syracuse, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, But that was helpful because I was kind of surrounded by guys that were from the city. And, uh, you know, I grew up watching these movies and things like that, but it was just the rhythm of everything. I can get cast as that because I am Italian. Yeah. And so, you know, you're working on versatility, but um, I really want to understand the character and understand what, what the writer and the creators are trying to say with their work and then get myself out of the way. I mean, bring myself to it, but, you know, channel the writing. And... and um, so, so that was, uh, uh, did not getting that one bother you? It, it did just because you want to work, yeah. you know? Um, and then getting, when you get closer, it feels like, wait a minute. And I, but I, I could feel it like, you know, from the previous year where I was just like, I was like, I felt like I didn't know what I was doing to going in now and had some. And, um, I remember Georgie Ann Walken was being, was, was incredibly sweet. Um, and I just felt like it just like we're talking, like I just felt more human. Like there was a connection sure. and, I think it was just, I think they thought about it. It was really like, they were just mix and matching. And then maybe at that time they were like, all right, let's put a pin in this guy. Like possibly, you know, find him in this world sometime. Um, so it was hurtful. But then what happened was I ended up getting a, a lead role in a, in a studio feature film um, called Knock Guys. Mm. So I don't know if I would have been able to do that. So it kind of kind of worked out in a way. Um, and then I was in that, it was playing that world again in, in regard, you know, there were sons of.
1: Who directed that?
0: This is uh, Brian Koppelman and David Levine.
1: Yes, Billions. Billions, exactly. Yes. They
0: were coming off of Rounders. They, right. had, they had written that. Right. And um, this was their directorial debut.
1: Yeah. And uh, um, They've been a writing duo since the beginning, huh? Yeah,
0: yeah, they, they work in tandem. Incredible. I think, I think David also writes some novels and things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're, they're great. Amazing. And so it's so a big break for me, you know?
1: Yeah. So you're in a feature, and then you get the exactly. third phone call after
0: being on that set for two months in Canada and Vin Diesel, Malkovich, Hopper, Seth Green, Barry Pepper, and I'm like, all right. So when I went in this third time, it, you know, uh, what happened was they, I, I went in for Jackie Jr., actually, which I, th- which I know was already cast, and they were doing I don't know if they were thinking about changing it or what, but, but they brought me in for that. Th- so I actually screen tested with Meadow, with uh, Jamie Lynn. Um, and I remember getting locked on my roof the morning of, like I was going up to do of my course, lines. Of course, of course you were, yeah. And I was like terrified. I was like, oh, this is like this, you know, I just felt like I was ready to at least be the freest I had been on a set, yeah. especially a set like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and I had to break through the window on Mott Street to get back down and then get out to Queens, to Silver Cup, to do this, this screen test. And um, it's interesting, you know, because... Uh, it would be different now it's you know just having more life under my belt but having now i'd been watching the show because i had a friend on it and things like that and so when you're on, when i was on the uh, uh in silver cup i'm see, you know i can see i'm almost it's like an out-of-body experience because this goes well you know you're on the show and then you're like i'm like wow this is like there's visibility there's all kinds of stuff that was going through my you know and i'm just like all right focus on the work focus on the world who are you you don't know that much because they're only giving you a few scenes you know, because understandably, and so I just knew he was a hot-headed son of a gangster. So I kind of came in like Johnny Boy, you know, what I mean? like I, I was just like, all right, I got this experience now. I'm just going to be like, fuck this whole thing, and um, and I was, you know, uh, also nervous, of course, but just using that in the scene. And then, and when I read with Jamie Lynn, um, who I had met a few times, um, it was great. Now he, then, I got the feedback. So I finished that. Cut to my agent calls me. She goes, "I have good news and bad news." And I said, okay, yeah, you know, tell me. And then um, they said that when you eyeballed Meadow, like the character, that Tony would have whacked you the next day because it was like, I was playing it, I don't know if it was like too street, because these guys were not supposed to necessarily, you know, be good at, at being a gangster. Like that mm. need wasn't there. And I just kind of played a character like that and, and knock around guys. You know, they're like children of gangsters, like... like uh, um, AJ. Like, yeah, and, and, and Jackie, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and so, and Dina was a little bit of that, but so they, but then she goes, the good news is they really loved what you did. And, you know, I'm paraphrasing, um, and, uh, you know, that, that David wants to write a role for you as, as Jackie's friend. So I was like, okay, wow, that's incredible. You know, it gives me the shivers right now. It's like, you know, it's, it's just one of those moments when you get a job, it's like, it's, it's always, it feels like it is a miracle.
1: You got noticed. I got noticed yeah
0: and especially after three years, you know, yeah. so they, they you know maybe they're seeing this young actor growing and
1: was David in the room for all your auditions? Um all of them?
0: He was definitely in there for some of them. that one, um, that one. yeah. I'd also had a dinner with him one time with with my previous you know my agent at UTA retired uh, but I did have a um, a dinner with him one time. I think it was after the yards. It might have been like Charlize there or something because I think she was with uh, UTA at that time. And that was really cool too. Af- after after, the fact.
1: The robbery scene, um, your character's best known probably for what happens to him in the immediate aftermath sure. of the robbery scene. Yes. A very picturesque, uh, even though this is kind of a morbid thing to say, it's a death scene. Yes. But it is so cinematic. It is so filmic. I was just
0: reading that it was apparently the biggest gun battle on the show. Correct. I didn't know that until, you know,
1: 20 minutes ago. Thoughts, impressions, memories from that sequence, that scene, that moment with you and Michael and, and in the street.
0: There was actually... See, even though you have the part in this and that, I'm still like, I've seen Michael and all these other things and this and that. There's some... You know, a lot of the, you know, a lot of this, I'd seen uh, uh, Joey Pants and so many things. Um, But I just felt, I had never felt so, I felt so free as an actor. But I remember there's just one thing that's coming to me when he was, when we were doing that scene where he's holding up the gun and it's about to go down. I remember calling him Michael in the scene, you know, just like, he's like, It's Christopher. It's Christopher. I said, oh, shit. I didn't even realize I said that, you know, because it's like almost an out-of-body experience. But you're you're... also
1: nervous. You're about to die.
0: yeah. The character's about to die. All that, you know, panting and all that stuff. We fucking sprinted down the street.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Another thing that's coming to me, Federico is convinced that Dino shot him. And I'm like, you know what? I never fired a blank. I remember that. So unless that's the way they wanted it to look, I think it was somebody else.
1: Ah. You know? Interesting.
0: Because I ended up, like, um you know, I don't know, executive producing a short that Federico directed which was really cool and um, he's like, "You, you shot me, you shot me. I was like, I didn't shoot you, I don't think, you know, I don't think Dino, it wasn't Dino, Dino just was like, all right, I'm there, I'm out and then of course the wrong people got killed and,
1: Dino was the one that took the risk, though. Jackie made him make the phone calls. Jackie made him do all the setup work. Yes, uh, Dino had the balls to like execute. That's right. Um, and but he ended up being the.
0: It's a good point though, because I I also didn't know like you know obviously in the in the in the season when 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 Jackie like himself and all that stuff if i had known that the character was more like that i would have come in differently too yeah. you know what i mean i wouldn't have played it so
1: but you didn't have that foresight they gave you what they gave you right yeah. exactly
0: exactly and i'm just going like all right this is like the free guy that doesn't give a sh-. you know he wants he wants to show who he is which also as an actor you want to show that you've got this like you know um range and this volatility you know were you pissed that it was so short You know, when I read that episode, I was excited at first because I'm like, holy shit, they're giving me a lot to do here. This is great. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get to, like, mix it up. And then I'm going, I'm going. I'm like, oh, no, we're at this card game. I'm still alive. I'm running down the street. And then I get there. I'm like, oh, fuck. You
1: know, pardon pardon my French. Yeah, of course. No, this is a badass podcast.
0: Yeah, I, I I don't think it was so much pissed. I was just like, well, that's what happens on this show. You know, yeah. you get whacked. And but did but, you get the the phone call
1: that everybody says they get? Did you get a phone call? I didn't get you? a phone call.
0: Okay, no, I just remember getting the script and um and just reading through it and being excited. This is interesting. I know it's you know so I was up for something at that time with the Russo brothers. You know, mm-hmm. they just did the Avengers and everything, and I had met them you know, with some of those dinners I was telling you about and and, and uh, somebody thought that we should meet and these young filmmakers, brilliant filmmakers, and, and I was up for this movie called Welcome to Collinwood, like George Clooney and Soderbergh producing, and it went away because they were thinking about Billy Crudup for a role and they thought maybe, we, we, not that we're the same, but just there was a similar similarity. And then when we were filming that episode on The Sopranos, I remember we were filming in the Basil Cafe and that was the name of my character and welcome to collinwood Hmm. and i was like that is so odd like that that's like we're filming in the basil cafe because it's a unique unique name and lo and behold they ended up going with sam rockwell in a different role and then i got that that part soon thereafter
1: interesting so that was
0: that was yeah it was a really magical experience
1: um connective tissue
0: absolutely and little signs of you know yeah
1: yeah um
0: i got another good good little story that's coming to my mind is you know so when, when i'm running up to uh uh before I, I don't know Christopher's there obviously but the car zips by there was a big tumbling mat on the ground um and I'm going to fall back on that for the I guess for the wide shot or the yes. long shot and then when it gets closer you don't even see me I mean you don't see me fall you see me just fall out of frame right so uh you know elaborate camera setup and he, it was a, it was a steady cam and and um I can't remember the gentleman's name but whoever's operating the camera that heavy piece of machinery was doing an amazing job and I'm running. He's following, and he clipped his foot. <laughs> he clipped his foot on the mat, but no fault of his own. It says you know there's a lot of bells and whistles happening, and the whole thing went boom and just exploded on the on the on the tar, and that camera was done.
1: Oh no! And we were
0: all just like, holy shit! This is like you know devastating. You know, yeah. I'm I mean, It's obviously insurance. Shit is in the expensive. Thing, but it's expensive. But still, yeah. And it, you know nobody could feel. I mean nobody was like harping on him. It just was you know. But that's just a little piece of trivia. you Interesting.
1: know? Interesting. Um, yeah the 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 shot that I can't I can again it's in it's uh, seared in my mind not because I've seen the show 19,000 times but um it's one of the most elegant death scenes you know and you in yeah. the tension of like the breathing and then there's like a little moment they they have a beat where you think maybe Christopher's going to let this Son of a bitch lives Right, right. Because there was a pleading. Because he's a a kid. He's He's, a kid. Exactly. Because Jackie's getting so many passes, right? Right, This is just Jackie's guy. And then no. And then the way, the the, the pullback, the wide shot is what makes it so... Oh, that's amazing. It's enveloping. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, What's your best James Gandolfini story or moment? For me, my best one is that
0: I actually, because you don't see Dino with Tony, Mm. but we did film something together. Okay. And... It didn't, they didn't put it in. And as I heard, it's like, it was in the pork store and, um, you know, he was in character and, 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 uh, not, uh, uh, Tony Sirico was also there. And I was, apparently I was wearing a costume that he had worn before. So he was kind of like, who's this young guy that's wearing the thing Like maybe he's thinking Because everybody on the show is thinking about how long is my character going to last? And he was this young, brash guy that's like, whatever. And... It was, it was a Christmas scene because I'm hanging um, Christmas lights with Jackie, and then the guys are over there and they're like, you know, Tony's—I mean, James as Tony—is just like, eh, "I'm not supposed to like you, am I?" And he, he takes a light, a Christmas light bulb, a small one, and he throws it at me, hits my back. I'm like, "What is he doing?" You know? But I'm like, "Oh, okay." He's just like he's working
1: he, himself into, yeah. 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 And,
0: and he's also like he's breaking my chops, but at the same time, he's like winking in a way, you yeah. know. So that was cool. And then it didn't make the cut, you know, because I just don't think they wanted— they didn't think that Dino and Jackie would be in there around the business
1: that close. In the inner sanctum. In the inner
0: sanctum, exactly. Yeah,
1: makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. A lot of questions, a lot of discussion about, like, was this extra scene here, extra scene there? We would have liked to see more of this or more of that. But at the end of the day, when you look at the cutting room floor choices they made, I had one of the editors on the show, Sidney Walensky, on— and, um, I asked him about the final episode and like all the different variations. He's probably one Even of a handful the, of people well, that, that saw what could be, have been on screen. Um, and his answer was also very like terse, but you know, what you see is the best of what there was wow. for the story. Wow. You know? Cause, yeah, cause uh, they, I mean,
0: it wasn't, they didn't extend it. They kept it like what yeah, it needed to
1: be. It was very crisp and left us wanting more, obviously, yeah. you know. Uh, just like a good bottle of wine. That's right. Just like a, you know, it's uh, just like one of those songs that you uh, wish would never end. Right. Man. You know, we, the
0: ritual, the Sunday ritual, yeah. the whole thing was like.
1: What's your best Michael Imperioli story besides being shot he, by him? And calling him Michael yeah. in the scene? Um,
0: man. I, I was, you know, he, he kind of kept to himself with me. Okay. Uh, I, you know, and, and part of that is shyness on my part. Sure. You know. Um, I, I got to work with the, you know, the, 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 I got to, I got to work with Al Pacino once. And I just remember in retrospect, I look at it, I'm like, man, I had so much to say to him, but I, you know, I'm just shy. I'm like, my God. So I'm like, just focus on the character and be there, be there for the work. At least that
1: will translate. I kept thinking, you know, David Chase story, encounter, moment. Did he ever say anything to you that stuck with you? Um, Let's so Kefi okay did. I'm, yeah, I'm. I'm fishing to think. I'm here to think. because no, it's good. It's good. he's a mythological figure to yeah, me. Yeah, he is <laughs> That's um, for sure. He's the singular reason why I'm doing this project. Wow, I can't emphasize that enough. Amazing. Um, and so, I have also been told by many people who had small roles on the show, meaning handful of episodes here, handful sure. of episodes there, that he's he said something to them or he, in passing, that they remember to this day. And it might not be the case for you. Yeah, but, yeah, I
0: remember the dinner. Like I said, I remember the dinner, and then and then going in the room and just like you know it, it, there 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 is such a special thing about being free in some in front of somebody that you admire and uh that was a process as i said through the the first three years but when i finally went in was able to kind of just like in a way in, in character throw a tantrum which is very free like my four year old my i have another son who's also 14 he doesn't throw as many tantrums anymore but it's just no so it does get better it does okay. absolutely <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah so you you understand
1: how old is how old is yours? Uh, I have a six year, just turned six. Okay, and then cool. I have a fifteen month old. Oh, amazing! So the fifteen month old is there's a little bit of a gap, but the fifteen month old is basically the older ones, Mister Potato Head. Oh yeah so we're really learning. I just had the little one at a park with his, like one of his first official play dates and he was very protective and very defensive and Mm -hmm. wouldn't share. And he was almost bullying the other kid and it's, but it's because he's, he's used to defending himself from his older brother.
0: And and sharing is not a concept they understand. Especially when
1: the older brother's yanking. Right, right. So I told, I told my wife Katie, I was like, like, we got to fix that because we don't want our younger one to be like a, Oh, yeah, yeah, no, you know, exactly. She's like it's oh, age appropriate, relax. It, it, it it's really be is. Fine. It is.
0: But I thought i thought all the same things too. Yeah. yeah.
1: What happened post Sopranos career wise? So I went
0: in, in that film I was telling you about, Welcome to Collinwood, which was for me was uh, you know all of that stuff together, being on the show, being on Around Guys, you know, being in the yards, doing theater. I just it kind of came into that performance and um, and working with other great talents like Sam and uh huge talent massive huge, huge talent. talent you yeah. know including obviously the russo brothers mm-hmm. like this uh, you know they were it was a re, it's a remake of an italian film called Isolian yoti called big deal on madonna street which i had never seen until that point genius film and so i got to just be really creative with that character like it was it was so zany and there were so many odd choices that they were encouraging and allowing and that was very freeing too to be on a you know a big budget Warner Brothers film mm. and kind of bringing some of that theatri- theatricality into it. So I did that and then uh I think I you know I was there for 911. Um that I witnessed that. You were in New York City. Oh uh, yeah. I saw the building fall with my own eyes. Where were you? I was on I was on 10th and University. I was, what were you doing down there? I was rehearsing a play. Um we were opening that day. Excuse me, that evening. And so I, my friend lived near the theater on 8th Street. So I crashed at his place to work on something in the second act. We're doing Hurly Burly, And there was something in the second act that was just, I didn't feel comfortable with. So, you know, we're about to go up the next night. And I woke up to my brother's calls. He was in Brooklyn Law School at the time. And, and uh, we or about to go to Brooklyn Law School. And he, he you know, he told me the planes that hit. We went up to my friend's roof. And then I saw the building fall, you know, and then the everybody first just, one. the first, uh, yeah. That's right.
1: What and did you I, do immediately we after dove, seeing that?
0: Dove. I literally dove because pe- people were screaming. You know, sh- sh- screaming. It's like watching Independence Day. You know, it, it, without the filter. And um,
1: you were on a rooftop. I was on a roof.
0: So yeah. you, you ran down. It was a walk-up building. It was. It yeah. We went back in the stairwell after that moment of okay. like, what the fuck is, what was going on here? Yeah. yeah. Then we went back down and then put on the TV and. So you, you watched know, it. The TV. second, the second part. You didn't yeah. run uptown. We did soon thereafter. We started. Well, not uptown. We actually went down at one towards point. it. Yeah, because we were like, you know, you know, you, you it,
1: don't know what the we don't know what's going on. on. Yeah, yeah, it's
0: just like you're just like you know, fight, flight, or freeze. Like we're just like, what, what can we do? Like and uh,
1: and um we ended Did up, you hear the second tower go down? Could you hear it? I, I you know, that's. Do you a good know what question. I'm
0: asking? Yeah, yeah I do, because I'm now thinking like you know, it's like because the in city my,
1: you hear the ambiance right. You hear the cars you hear the the air the yes. hustle and bustle but was that like a sonic boom that you can re- recollect that's i think maybe in my unconscious you know i was talking to somebody
0: earlier today about emdr i don't know if you ever heard of that uh-huh. therapy and you know i thought it might be interesting to do something around that you know because i've been out here ever since and i get emotional on the show here but you know no because it's just like you know I, i've been i I stayed a little bit longer in New York City and then moved out to L.A. I found a really—another set of acting teachers out here that I wanted to study with Um, and then had my first son in 2005. There was a film called—I know we're bouncing around, but it was a film called Warm Springs that I got cast. It was an HBO film, so it was my second time working for them, which was amazing, about FDR, Kenneth Branagh Cynthia Nixon— Um, about the polio epidemic at that time.
1: Amazing uh, roster of names. Oh, it was incredible. That you have been a part of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's like... actor's dream. It really is. I mean, I
0: just, you know, even looking back, I'm like, wow. And that inspired me to do some Shakespeare after that because before then I was like, I'm not going to,
1: you know... But Kenneth Branagh's in your life. Kenneth Branagh,
0: you know... You're you're going to up your Shakespeare game. Exactly. At least take an intensive or something or just, you know... And so uh, my character, there was a polio epidemic at that time, apparently. And FDR was this spoiled you know, kind of rich as the script was anyways, it did some research on it, but you know, there was a lot of infidelities with his wife and he got struck with this polio and it humbled him. And he went down to these warm springs, hence the name of the film in Georgia to work on spinal rehabilitation. And because of this epidemic in America, people had heard about this, this famous politician that was doing this. So this flood of people went down there and I played a steel worker that worked like in the Woolworth building named Jake and went down there and, um, got, you know, got to, got to work with them and work on that material. Um, and then that's when I found out I was going to be a dad,
1: Hmm.
0: uh, in in Atlanta. And, um, so Jaden, my older son's mom came down and we, you know, did the pregnancy test and we went and saw Ray that night, uh, which was kind of cool to be in Georgia and go see that. And then I came back to LA and became a dad and, uh, um, you know, started doing, guest stars and things like that. Um, I got cast in a series of short films that was really cool too based on... I did Shakespeare in the Park um, that was based on uh, kind of a fleeny style thing where, where it's, you know, a, a clown mar- married to a mannequin, very avant-garde, magical surrealism. But as an actor, I might not have been able to do that had I not taken the Shakespeare sonnet class because it's a lot of, like... You do mask work in there, which is also very freeing. Like, you learn a sonnet in your own words... And then they put the the tumbling mats down, and you put a mask on, and you study animals, and it's just it's just ways to kind of like other ways, other tools to get into a character, and then you take the mask off, and you and you bring that same freedom. And so I, this gentleman had written this short, who's now the godfather of my kids and the, my best friend, the one that I went to Sicily with. Cause yeah, he's from and everything Sicily. happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. He's born on the same day as my oldest son and um i played this character lucky clown to circle back to the clown college that i went to it was kind of cool to kind of bring that you know that inner child stuff into a role that was uh, um very complex cuz he was expressing a, a a divorce that he went through and so the, the man's a clown and the woman's a mannequin and we're having this love affair and and, and, and intermittently talking into a mirror painted in clown and and waxing sonnet like so that was really cool hmm. um and then, uh, yeah, and then a bunch of you know series television. How soon
1: after nine eleven did you move out to California?
0: I did a play after that. I did Wants the Bronx. Okay. Uh Kind of, kind of deal with a little bit of the xenophobia and jingoism of like who did this, why did it happen? So yeah. I don't know if you know that play, but it's 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 two troubled youths that are very abusive and racist to a lost Indian man. Yeah. And Pacino had done it with John Cazale back in '68. And I just knew that it's like, okay, this is a kind of a cool, not to that, that justify any of that behavior I'm saying, to express sure. some of that stuff. Outlet. Outlet, yeah. And um, it went great. We did it at the Irish Arts Center. And then in 2003, I decided to move. I went to Syracuse. I packed up my bags, everything that was going to fit my car. My mom gave me my dad's car that had been sitting up there for a dollar. And everything that fit in that car was going to go to LA. I think I had gotten
1: like a- Road trip? Road trip, exactly. I took Lovely. like, I actually- Have you done one with your son, by the way? Not yet. I'm I, I just did it's one good this idea. summer to Yosemite. Wow. And I'm a huge road trip guy. Amazing. I love music. It's just a very like a, almost like I picked it up in some movie and it's like stuck with me ever since. But uh I, I can't like I can't wait to do it with my with my kids. I, I
0: shot twenty seven hours of footage on that trip and I'm like, it's still sitting in D V tapes on my shelf. Oh, that's cool. And it might be that could be a way to bookend it, you know, yeah. do something. You know, because I went the Bible Belt, like, the whole southern route. Yeah, or, you know, I haven't
1: done that yet. I need to do that.
0: Yeah, I was just like, I'd never been really been down right. there. i have been to New Orleans, but not, like, through Texas and right. all that. And it's a different world, totally. you know, than upstate New York.
1: You've been here ever since, California. Yeah. L.A.'s home.
0: Yep. I've got two boys that are both born here now, um, 10 years apart. And so, yeah, it's— The younger one must be in preschool. He's—yeah, we tried it out. He, uh— he didn't take to it. So we were like, all right, you know what? I'm thinking he's only going to be this young mm-hmm. little, for a while. Like, you know, getting on the shoulders and everything. So I'm like, all right, just,
1: let you know, be. let him
0: be. Yeah. yeah.
1: I'm with you on that. There's a lot, there's a lot of formality uh, that they try to impart on lines. minds. Like you have to do this. You have to do that. Right. There's no fucking point. No, exactly. That we're gonna, That's it. You feel, you also get a little bit of the pressure, you know, like, yeah, am I doing being, enough? Right. Being here. But yeah, you just got to kind of...
0: I can tell you love your kids. That's that's a wonderful quality. You know, it's... it's.
1: Kids have this really great ability to make you become laser-focused. That's right. Because there's a lot more at stake than yeah, just... Yeah, that's it.
0: Exactly. Number that's exactly Uno. it. You know? Yeah, and you actually get more economical with your time, don't you? Like 100%. I found I didn't have to be... But then with this, you're like, all right, I have this time during this day. Like, you know, I'll just... And I've got actor friends that are not, not parents, and I'm like, you know.
1: No, yeah, no. And you also, you also respect other people's schedules more. That's right, that's right. Because you realize that you, we are individuals, but we have a bunch of other people counting yes, on us. the most. The most important people counting yeah, on us. right. Um, you shot a Dolce & Gabbana campaign with Giselle. Yes. Uh, I'm a <laughs> big fan of Giselle, so I'm <laughs> sure a lot of listeners are too. How did
0: that come about? Um, I was doing, I had done some print work intermittently, uh, in, you know, in New York and, uh, an old agent that I had said that they were, cause they're Sicilian, by the way. I didn't know that until I was just in Sicily. Um, Giselle? No, no, no. I'm excuse me. Dolce Gabbana. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So maybe, maybe that was again, like the, the destiny or something, but, but so she would had already had the campaign and then I had, you know, they could pitch actors. You know, I'd seen like Gary Oldman do a DKNY. and I'm like, this is kind of cool. Like, why not? It's, you know, it's all publicity and that kind of stuff. I think she had just gone on a date with Leo DiCaprio like the night before. This is before Tom Brady, so there
1: was no opportunity for you.
0: To- well, well, there. You know, you're on the set and you're doing this thing, and it's like you, you know, knew who she was. Obviously. I knew who she was. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I'm not
0: gonna say there wasn't an opportunity, but I was. You know, there's more to the story. I'll just you know, but I gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> gotcha. I just kept it like you know. You guys did I'm have
1: a- you guys did have an exchange.
0: There was because you're like you're in these you're doing these poses and you're yeah. like you know and it's supposed to have that vibe
1: yeah you know can you find those pictures on the internet now I have some yeah I put
0: some on my Instagram like I there's oh a, I'm gonna check it out yeah there's there, you can find them okay or I can I can text them to you or send, send them to me yeah I got some great shots from Sicily too I actually went to Savoca
1: okay. I, I, I went to Corleone as well by Ooh. the way that was intense Godfather uh, movies or Goodfellas which do you pick um oh, sorry are you a Godfather guy or I, a I love
0: guy? I love I love I love both
1: love but both. I love.
0: I love the classic family nature of the Godfather. Like maybe it's that I grew up in the, in, you know, in upstate New York, maybe that's part of it. Um, but I love both. I mean, it's like you could put either one on and watch it over and over.
1: Yeah. You know, that's where I fell off the wagon. I can watch Godfather one and two over and over again, but good fellows. I can once a year is okay with me. Sure. I'm okay with that. Sure. It is controversial, and I have said it on this podcast. Hey, but You,
0: you got to be authentic and be who I you are. I had the
1: screenwriter you know? of uh, Cape Fear on who wrote the oh, wow. movie, Scorsese's the, Cape Fear, the, okay, got who it. was on this podcast. And because I had said on the podcast that my favorite Scorsese picture is probably a toss up between Cape Fear and the departed. And what it was was, uh, why isn't your answer the I good worked fellas. with him, by the way. I, I, I'm
0: sorry. It was a little, little role, but with with Scorsese yeah. in the beginning of that whole journey and yeah. bringing out the dead. Amazing. So I, I, got, I got a scene with Nicolas Cage and Ving Rames and Martin Scorsese and talk about green. I was terrified. Yeah. You know, I was like, you know, just so... And Nick
1: Cage was massive then too. Massive. And yeah. he had
0: that, you know, he was kind of like looking at me like it was this guy, you know, right. and, and I'm just like, uh, you know, but I'm on the set and I'm like, you know, and I think I had done the yards, you know, which is weird, but I think it was just the... You know the mythological thing, like you know, I, I I moved into onto Mott Street because of a compilation of Old St Patrick's Cathedral from Godfather and Mean Streets and all the stories you hear about these actors and and um and the fact that they're either either a hundred percent Italian American or partly, but it's like these are the kind of roles that you can get cast in that you've seen people get cast in, in addition to them being like you know brilliant genius yeah, actors, yeah. Cool but, thing
1: about Nick Cage is that he's a Coppola, but he changed his name because he didn't want. That's, right, that's He right. didn't want to be connected to that, and he built his own. Is he a cousin? I forgot. His his dad is brothers. Got it. With uh, Francis, Amazing. I think. Um, but he didn't he didn't milk that name for whatever it's worth.
0: Right. Um, yeah, I, I had read that, and then you know, I saw. him. I think he went to I don't know if Beverly Hills High School, and he, I had saw, him, saw him on YouTube where he was. The
1: uh, New York Times recently. I think if you go, if you look it up, you'll find that The New York Times did a really great profile of him wow a current like nicholas cage at his present oh, state cool. um and it was really i he should have a podcast it was amazing
0: sure this, this, i just you make me flash on moonstruck because i just became facebook friends with olympia dukakis and i'm oh. wondering is that the real olympia
1: dukakis <laughs> i can't tell <laughs> you never, tell, know, you, anymore, you never know i you saw some master
0: know. classes on there so hopefully that's her you know
1: um i'm gonna finish up with a lightning round like i do with all the guests it's just sort of a way to let the listeners know who you are now sure um Last good book you read?
0: Well, I'm reading Eugene O'Neill's The Iceman Cometh. I just read uh, Lanford Wilson's Burn This, which was great. <clears throat> Awaken Sing by Clifford Odets. I know these are all plays, but that's, that's what's coming to my mind. And, you know, because that's what I've been doing the last two days.
1: Who's your favorite playwright? Um, oh, God, Shakespeare. <laughs> and what's got you on plays right now? Is it this new thing with the actor studio? Yes, and it's something that I love live theater. My
0: sister even told me, she goes, Andy, I love you more on stage than you. And I do. I think what I took it as a compliment that there's just something about that connection. Yeah. And, and also having been quiet, which I can, that's kind of a default setting to have, you know, the little a quick story with that priest that I told you about, Father Peter, who's the president of Villanova. He brought me on the stage and went, put me in the back. And then he went to the back row and he had me talk to him. He's like, Andy, I can't hear you. Cause I can, I can bring it all in and I've got big feelings. So it's, it's helpful for me to Project. Pro- work on speaking and speaking bigger than I normally mm, do.
1: Mm. So that,
0: that's what I love about it. Favorite music right now? I always go to film scores. I love film scores. Film scores? I was listening to, uh, you know, I had seen Ennio Morricone perform, perform live in Venezia. We took Lucky Clown at short there. And I got to see um, a gallery of Robert De Niro Sr.'s paintings. And I also saw Ennio Morricone perform live as a tribute to nine eleven. In St. Marcos Square.
1: No way. Yeah,
0: that was that was that was. It it still feels like a dream because it was like water coming onto the on the floor. Yeah. Or the rock and everything.
1: I just recently saw Once Upon a Time in the West. Yes. And Sergio Leone movie. Right. And he composed the music for that. That's right. Deborah's uh, theme. And and the music. Oh my God! It's so transportive. Movie man. I
0: just took Burt Young out to lunch. Oh yes. And I did a film. He was in that first film that I did, The Loser Love with Jean-Marc Vallée. Yeah. And we've maintained a connection. And so he's in L.A. now.
1: He was the Terminator. That's right. And The Sopranos. And I invited him. Can you help me get him on here? Sure. Oh sure. my God, that would be a dream come true because uh, the Rocky movies are my favorite movies oh, of all time. Oh my God, exactly. He's a legend. Fascinating. Oh, it's so funny yeah, that... that you mentioned Burt Young because I was just thinking about him because I just watched Rocky IV with cool. my son.
0: It's so great, isn't my it? My son is
1: listening to the Rocky IV soundtrack. I oh, can't tell great. you how proud I am. When he, when he was asked in class in kindergarten, they were like, what's your favorite song? And it. he was like, hearts on fire. Yes. And the teacher was that's like, great. what? Like, <laughs> everybody's saying like shark song or like... Like you know, it. and he's like, "Hearts on fire." It's the Rocky movie, and nobody in the you. class has seen it. But I was proud. That's amazing because the whole the whole thing with Rocky and me and him is like, when you fall down, get back up. Get back That's up. Right. That's get right. Get back up.
0: I used to train to those songs in tennis. Like, of course, I had the Tiger. Yeah, you know the training and montage. The, the and, No Easy
1: Way Out. Uh, in yes, Rocky Four exactly. when he's driving the in the car and, yeah. he's, and he's like changing the gears. Yes. That thing pumps you up yes, better than does. any song today. Dun, 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 yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so, there's no easy way out. There's no shortcut. Home. Oh yeah. my God. It's so, and to be That's able amazing. to, to be able to watch it with your offspring. Right. Is surreal. How cool is that? It's so surreal.
0: I, w- I want to tell you a little piece of thing too, that in Sicily, there's a, you know, the, 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 Godfather song, La Bruccia Terra. Yeah. I did not know that what it means is that the earth is on fire and that's because all of the pavements, and I love that song now because I've been playing it because I, you know, I, mean, I always loved it, but I mean, and it means it's because the, the the lava from Mount Etna, all the streets are made of lava in Sicily. All the sidewalks, most not the freeways, but most of the things, you go there, you see, rock they, interesting they, like, yeah they use the
1: nature to make a road exactly and that's
0: why that's that's where that song
1: "La brucia, ta, da, 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 it's yeah. like a, you know fascinating that's
0: why you know coppola probably chose it with you know nino rota and all them because it's it really is the fabric of a Sicil- of, this, of sicily
1: it's genius yeah it was so cool i was like it just added a whole nother perspective do you have any treasured possessions from the show any mementos or anything that you, you have? know you're
0: making me think of is that a, a prop guy came up to me and told me he goes you know Andy, we made you a chair, but we can't give it to you because we thought the other guys might get, not, you know, not not the main guys, but like maybe the other, you know, recurring guest stars might not, they would feel like left out. Mm. So I never got that. Is it because you got whacked? No, I just think, I think, because maybe, they, I don't know if, how quickly they write it, maybe they didn't yeah. know they were going to do with Dino, but... They printed up a chair for me, like the, like the back of the chair. Cool, but you never got it. I never got it. So maybe, it's probably in some prop house somewhere, you know? It definitely is. That would be cool.
1: Um, you play classical piano?
0: Yes. Uh, you started as a kid? I Yeah, that was one of the things. Another thing, my mother, My so my oldest brother is a violinist. He's a fiddler now. Okay. But he was trained classically. Now he plays the fiddle You're for a career. You're a true career.
1: renaissance man, renaissance
0: family? Yeah, you know, it, 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 you know, it's a combination of my parents, but my mom just... Had us get in all that stuff. Yeah, that's and, awesome. Yeah, and then, so then being in New York and you're waiting for roles and things like that, you know, I was like, the piano is such a way where you can just put emotion into it. You still have and chops? It, funny enough, my producing partner on a, on, a, on my on my passion project basically rented me a piano that's now in my apartment. You can rent to own for oh. like 50 bucks a month. Steinway? It's a it's a stand-up, um, I forget what the brand is, but it's beautiful. And it, because I had this old dilapidated keyboard from new york and i just had it stuck in the closet i tried to bring it out sometime but it just it didn't invite like sitting down and playing it because it was like the pedals were broken and this thing and now i'm, I'm reworking a song beethoven's opus 13 you know movement 17 is it's beautiful and it's just it's like bringing out this side of myself that created after from 9 11 that it sure. was like you know like I'm, I'm dusting it off you know and it feels really great
1: a favorite classical
0: piano composer My Russian teacher told me in New York that when you listen to Beethoven, you hear a genius, you hear human pain. But when you listen to Mozart, you hear the voice of God because at one moment you're laughing and the next moment you're crying and you don't know why. So, but I love them both. And, you know.
1: So, Meadows' boyfriend in the show, uh, Noah Tannenbaum, Mm. season two, a real life actor's name is Patrick Tully. He was nice. a guest on the show. Sat in that chair. Wow. He's a professional pianist. Amazing. Today, and he, we were talking about um, Rachmaninov and Artur Rubinstein, the wow. pianist, and Vladimir Horowitz, and finger technique. And I'm not a player. I lived in a building in the Bay Area with a guy who would wake up every morning and practice uh, the Goldberg variations. Oh, wow. Which I think is Bach, the Bach yeah, Goldberg variations. That is, that's right. I have uh, classical piano seared in my mind in a Amazing. good in a good way. Did you ever see Shine? That movie Shine. Yes, great, absolutely. Great Jeffrey film, Rush. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um favorite breakfast.
0: You know, I'm on the egg whites right now, but I did a year of the, you know, vegan thing and that was it was actually good, but I was doing like actually smoothies for breakfast. Because of cholesterol or? No, I just was like, you know, you hear so much about it and the the longevity. LA thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Finally, what
1: are you working on at the moment?
0: So I have a film coming out called Killer Weekend. Um I'm I'm the lead of it with a you know, a great actress Vanessa Zima, Michael Beans in it um, from, you know, Terminator and Tombstone and all that stuff. He and his wife produced it. It's kind of like they, they, they did this thing like grindhouse level. Cause he was in one of the grindhouse films and they formed a production company, great filmmaker, female um, director. So I was excited about that, to have that perspective. I play a serial killer who's using a sugar daddy app and I, you know, and, and to find his prey. And, um, the one, the, the, the lead female is Taking insurance policies out on men and then having them killed, and then we meet. That's the setup. Um, we did it for like ten cents, but it is a feature, and that was cool. I was hesitant to take the role, but she really just because it's you know. Did you playing, produce it? I didn't. I just acted in okay. it. Okay. You know, it was just you know, it was an offer, so that's always nice. Yeah. And I'd never played anything like that, and I just thought you know I could you know there's some intense scenes so I could bring some of that stuff. Um, and he flips. You know, you see him like charming to seduce the women, and then he flips and. Uh, so that's submitted to festivals right now. Um, I have something that I wrote that is like my passion project. Um, feature? It's a feature, feature film. It's a vehicle for me. A bunch of like, you know, Rocky, Goodwill Hunting. I was actually at the premiere of Goodwill Hunting. Isn't that cool? Years ago.
1: One of my favorite movies I of mean, all it's, time. It's,
0: a, you know, it's wonderful. Yeah. It's a wonderful film. And I just look back at being like, whatever, 23, 24, being there. I, I, you know, it's like it didn't dawn on me yeah. then, but that's really cool. But, um, you know, I went to, you know, I, when I went to Villanova, Philadelphia, the whole Rocky Steps, that whole thing is it seared in my unconscious, you know, because then training tennis and listening to Die of the Tiger and all that. So I was like, all right, my dad always taught me if you want to get something done, you got to do it yourself, meaning it's always collaborate, but don't sit around and wait, get something done, go out and do it. So, Amen. and writing is a whole different craft, understandably, than acting. So it took me some time and I purposely took some time with it because I said, I'm not going to rush this. I want to, I want to learn how to do this. But I knew the idea meant something more than meant something to me. It was about, you know, inspired by my cousin, the loss of my cousin and my pop and all that. And, um, so it's poetically about my family and the theme is a parable from the Bible from Luke sixteen nineteen, the rich man and the beggar Lazarus. And, um, so it's a modern telling. There's a comeback with a, with an,
1: with what's ba- that parable? Tell listeners that don't know.
0: There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen who lived in luxury every day. And at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, longing to eat the scraps that fell from his table. Um, And he had sores, and the dogs were licking the sores. And the rich man doesn't give him anything. And then they both die. And Lazarus is brought by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man is brought to Hades. And then he starts asking Abraham to have mercy on him, to allow Lazarus to come to him and bring drop of water to quench this fire because it's so hot. And he said, "No, you didn't give him anything then, he he's not allowed to go there. Not only that, there's a huge chasm between the two of you." And the rich man's like, "I didn't know. I didn't know. Please, please, please let him, you know, be alive again so he can warn my brothers that they won't come to the same fate." And he says, "They had Moses and the prophets. They wouldn't listen even if somebody rose from the dead." So, when I read that when I would started writing, and I was trying to come up with a name for the character, I was like, "It's a biblical name." There was a guy in Syracuse that played basketball, and I was like, "I don't want to write about an actor," but so I made him a former basketball player, just cause, you know, because I like basketball, like grew up across the street from the dome and things like that. And uh, I thought that was kind of a cool name, like Maximus. You know, you're trying to think of a name for a
1: character. Very cinematic.
0: Cinematic. And I'd heard of the Lazarus rises, but I'd never read that parable. And when I read the parable. I got the goosebumps because my family is—one side had wealth and the other side didn't. And so I really related to that conversation of how much is enough and all that. And that sent me off on this whole journey of um, being literal in the beginning with the writing, you know, which was kind of flat and boring, but the emotions were in there. As an actor, I could bring the emotion to it. But then over time, really figuring out what I was trying to say about that and adding some structure and then, of course, and objectives and desires. And 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 then Salvatore, um, my dear friend that I told you about from Sicily, came in and helped me build up my character. Because as an actor, often we don't know who we are. I don't mm-hmm. think a lot of people were trying to find it out. People but still are. Still are, yeah. exactly. And that's a lifetime journey. But it, um, we did a polish on it about a year ago and kind of gone through a spiritual awakening about two years ago taking some time off from dating, um, really working on myself, and, and uh, through that journey, I've been able to really bring make that character more human as well, which has been very exciting. But I don't think I could have done it had I not been doing that kind of self-analysis, years of therapy, acting class, and all that stuff. But that that, that means a lot to me, and we're shopping it around, and um, we had been, been working with, you know, Mr. Pacino's producing partner for many years, and um, he's aware of it, and... And we're courting, we're courting people, um, but we thought he'd be great for the rich man. You know, the, sure. You know, in purple and
1: fine linen. Yeah. Oh man. Did you, did you have him in mind while you were writing it, or did, is yeah, that, for is many years? Too close to the
0: bone. Many years. Yeah, many years. It helped me. It's it's a it's a, it's a hy- the, that character is a hybrid of my grandfather and my uncle, and also the archetype of King Arthur and all that kind of like yeah. charisma. You know, I'll just tell you this: my grandfather created the first jarred sauce that was distributed in North America called Enrico's. So that empire is such that it's a spaghetti sauce empire. So the rich man in the story, I just thought it'd be kind of cool because I've never seen that in a film.
1: Before Prego, before Before Ragu. Yeah, in
0: glass jars, yeah, called Enrico's.
1: Amazing. Yeah,
0: called himself a flavorist, you know.
1: (laughs) I was going to be done, but you mentioned that you're a basketball guy. I'm a huge basketball guy. Awesome! One of the things we do on the podcast, well, one of the things that I do on the podcast is analogize the NBA to the Sopranos all the oh, time. Oh, wow. interesting. Sometimes I force it in, but just because I can't help but talk about Are basketball. you from L.A.? Uh, no, I'm from Northern California. Oh, cool. Bay Area. Who's your team?
0: Well, college at Syracuse and Villanova. Okay. Basketball it's such a good question. It kind of like I was kind of like a revolving thing because You root for
1: the player more than you root for a team?
0: The, the player, exactly, because yeah. I you know grew up watching Jordan, so I, my brother went to DePaul, I almost went to Chicago. Who are your players? So I love Steph because it you know changed the whole game because of the shooting yeah. and, and is you know to be able to Minimize the threat of like, you know it's, just, it's a big man's league you know what I mean everybody's like giant so to be able to be able to sh- you know three's worth more than two so I really admired that you know, these transformative players like you know so I you know I love Clay because he's just like spot up, I'm, I'm a Claytheist I love Clay there you go big time player man in the playoffs he's super
1: cool too yeah I could see that I could Smooth, tell like cool customer and it's just chill right like zero fucks given
0: and, and it shows and because in, in, you know, you're in game six or whatever and it's like rattling off thirteen threes or you're like.
1: So that's the way I, it, it keeps the show alive for me too. Is like just thinking about it in basketball terms. That's great. Um, that's
0: great that you love it.
1: Yeah, Andy,
0: this has been a pleasure. It's uh, pleasure's mine.
1: Thank you it's so really much for amazing. coming through. It's an honor.